Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. Welcome back to Covered in Glory, where I had an absolutely horrific Saturday last week, Brett, largely thanks to you kicking my tail in the five-pint pickoff, thanks to Chelsea absolutely crapping the bed against Brighton. How good did you feel on Saturday morning? I, I don't feel good, man, because I didn't want to have to have it be against your team. I just made the bet. I thought it was the best bet. It didn't bring me any extra pleasure. I don't want to root against you. You're my guy. But I just, I am glad that I won. I'm a competitor, so I'm glad that I won. But I never want to, like, rub salt in your wood. How are you going to expect our audience to listen to any picks you make when you lie so easily? I know that felt good. <laughs> I know that you were doing an extra gleeful dance watching them blow up and that you're, all your picks came in, Leeds, Brighton, everybody else. Come on, just be truthful. You don't got to blow smoke up on my, my tail. I'm a big boy. No, I, the, honestly, the most exciting thing for me was that Leeds match was fantastic um and i'm think i'm fully converted to just leaving everton i think i'm gonna send the divorce papers over um i mean it was a, it was a really fun match i actually i watched that from start to finish that kind of drowned out any like possible enjoyment i got from winning the brighton bet against you because that match was just a it was really fun b the bet hit uh, and then just the fact that you know our un-american coach who's been a little bit you know on the hot seat you know Gave himself a little bit of breathing room. That was really fun. Well, it was only my Saturday that was bad, Brett, because on Sunday I experienced one of the great joys that anybody can have in life. I got a new puppy. Eight-week-old dog came home on Sunday, washed all the stink of Saturday away, and I am in love, even though I have not slept at all. So this is going to be a particularly (laughs) loopy episode of Covered in Glory. But I had to do some research before I got the dog. And uh, being the footy fan that I am, I thought it'd be appropriate that I try to get a dog that uh, aligns with the kind of my love of the beautiful game. So I did a bunch of uh, research into some really rare breeds. And here's what I was thinking about getting. I found this one dog that uh, it accepts no training and only wants to play with you under exactly his own conditions. It's known as a a Renault Doodle. Uh, (laughs) I also, I I was really close. There's this really great dog. Um, loved it, had a lot of potential, but then I found out it was raised by Roy Hodson and became an English sucker spaniel. And then finally, there was this a dog that I don't understand like, why they advertise it this way. You pay several thousand dollars for it, and it seems really exciting, but it has to go back to the shelter almost immediately. It's known as a Lukakpu. Is that like the dad chose some puppy <laughs> soccer names? And yes, Brett. The five minutes I spent last night writing dog-based <laughs> soccer puns were oh the best part God. of my day. Thank you for asking. Believe me, I I have seen books of dad jokes, and this would be better than all of them combined. So, Well, uh, I did text you last night that I, I was going to bring up the dog today. Do you have any good soccer-based names that we should be considering? I mean... The problem is, is like your your personal hero, your your Lord and Savior is Connor, and that is such 
a boring dog name and I, you can't even use the last name with it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I have, I feel like it has to be a riff off like one of your favorite players names or like a favorite players moment. But like, what are you going to call him? Pooley? Pooley? Yeah. Gold, it's you a got, golden you noodle. Have, you can't you call have him nothing. Pooley. You have nothing at all. We actually, we did consider Chelsea. Um, we did consider that for oh, a wait, is bit. it is it a male or a female? It's a female dog. Oh, it's a female dog. Uh, yeah, so we did okay. consider Chelsea, um, but we ended, we didn't go with that. I also thought about Conte because it's part retriever, and so just going and winning balls back over and over again would be very appropriate for one of the greatest uh, we've seen in that in the sport in, in our lifetime. Um, and I lost the argument, Brett. I lost the argument. My wife is far more persuasive than I am. There was no way I could win it without going the Tom Brady Giselle route because I really wanted to call her <laughs> Diddy or Dogba. But Didier Dogma did not Didier win. Dog, that would be epic. That would be epic. Yeah. So anyway, uh, her name is Virginia. We call her Gigi because the only thing more dear to my my heart than Chelsea is my my home state, my homeland, and my alma mater. So that's what we ended up going with. Gigi, the Didier Dogma. That is legendary. <laughs> I, I will if I ever meet that dog, I will refuse to call it Virginia, and it will be Didier Dogma. One hundred percent. I will not acknowledge that name. American dream. Uh, All right. So there's no way in my personal life next weekend is going to be as good as last weekend. But I think in the Premier League slate, we are in for a doozy. We have some real high profile matchups. And as a result, we only have four games to cover here today. So we're probably going to get you out of here a little bit sooner. You ready to rock, Brett? Let's do it. All right. First, we have the premier matchup of the weekend, in my opinion, which is Tottenham versus Liverpool. Third, Tottenham is third at 26 points. Liverpool is ninth at 16 points. This game is Sunday at 11.30 a.m. At Caesars, Liverpool is plus 113. The Spurs are plus 215. The draw is plus 265. Pool minus half a goal is uh, plus 110. And the Spurs are minus 140. So, Brett, let me just start out with this question for you. Is it disrespectful for Spurs to be significant underdogs at home to a side they are 10 points up on in the table? No, not at all. Uh, I mean, I mean, Sun broke his face in the Champions League midweek. Uh, Lucas Mora is now, I think, their only other healthy attacker other than Harry Kane. Um, Conte has already only seemed to trust about like 15 guys on his roster, and most of them are wingbacks and defenders. Uh, Perisic looks washed. So I think we're going to have to start talking about how far outside of the top six, not whether or not they're going to be in the top four and Liverpool is going to do this. We've seen this before. They are inconsistent. We have seen the Nottingham forest type games that they are capable of. I think they're going to continue to have those, but they beat Napoli. They beat Ajax. They've had good wins. They beat city. Like they are still good. They are still a top four team to me. I think it's just going to be at a different level. And this is what the fun of the soccer season is. Like, use your thing to get people love soccer here. Like, you play the long game in the Premier League, right? Like, it's not just 10 matches. It's it's the entire slate and where teams up at, end, at the end of match week 38. Like, that's what matters. And I think from this point forward, I don't know about – I don't know if it's just me – I have way more faith in Liverpool than I do in Spurs. Yeah. Well, I think in a lot of ways, Brett, it's time to find out if Conte can be more than just a system manager, no matter how good that system is and how effective it's been. 
what can he conjure up if he has to stare down Liverpool without Kulisevsky, without Rickarlson, and without Son? Can he get the defense organized so well to keep Poole out of the net? I kind of expect him to park a Coliseum-sized bus in this match, but even then, can he get it done? I'm, I'm not confident that he can. Well, well, they did. They did roll out that one midfield um, with Basuma in it, and then they gave up like three goals that match. So, uh, yeah, there's there's like big systemic problems here, and, and I think you're right. Like Conte has had his thing, and it's always been that three five two. I think he's played a little bit of a four four two at certain points way back, but like he needs to conjure something up out of these mismatched peaches that he has left. Otherwise, it's gonna the bleeding is going to continue to pour out. Yeah. And I, don't, I just don't think he's crazy enough to play an open game with them. So uh, when he's this under man, like what, what is his changeup? What's his next pitch? I mean, we know the fastball is excellent, but he's got to throw something else here. And then, you know, in the other manager box, these Klopp resigning questions are just like so freaking crazy to me. <laughs> I don't he, understand he that. He won the Champions League. He took them to two other finals. He won Liverpool their freaking first Premier League. He's routinely, routinely recognized as one of the best managers in the world. He's in his prime and he just signed a contract extension. And he's still having to ask questions after a couple of bad games about if it's time for him to leave. Like, what else do you want the guy to do? Um, I, like, I, I guess I kind of love the chaos that this this embodies and it's a reason I gravitate to the sport is for this level of drama, but this is just absolutely wild. But then, you know, you take it out of the manager box and you keep saying that they're a top four team and that, you know, you have confidence in them to come back. I do want to dig into that slightly because this is our match of the week. And we only have four. So let's dig in for a second on the pitch. It turns out that Thiago isn't a magic elixir. We've kind of looked at him that way. It was his absence that kept them from clicking on all cylinders. Once he came back, they'd be fine. Twice now he's come back. Twice now he hasn't been fine. They still have significant issues. Fundamentally, Brett, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you your wet dream. I'm asking you to nerd out. I'm not going to interrupt. Fundamentally, from a like nerd point of view, what do you think is broken right now at Liverpool? Uh, it's a lot of things. Um, I, I think they thought this is the type of midfield that would be able to still accomplish the same protection that it did for their, their really good fullbacks. And I think you're seeing a gradual demise in a lot of key areas. Center backs have been hurt. Van Dyke hasn't been as good. Um, we've seen a lot of Joe Gomez who Joe Gomez is really promising, got wrecked with injuries. He has been at fault for at least a few very high profile goals. Um, the midfield has seen a lot of James Milner. <laughs> lot of James Milner. It's not good. Um, on top of the fact that Navi has been out, Curtis Jones has been out. Not that Curtis Jones is like some talk about magic elixir. It's not Curtis Jones. Um, I also think that there is uh, the, the kind of stalwart, the, the um, unheralded stalwart of that, of, of Liverpool's ability to just shut down matches was Fabinho. He has really not looked good. Um, and that's the big thing. It was the combination of Fabinho and Thiago that really made Liverpool like the shutdown corner of soccer teams, right? And if Fabinho's not as good, the center back issues, Robertson has had a ton of miles. And like the thing about Robertson's game as a left back is like he's a runner. Like he, we think of left backs as like, you know, the Trent Alexander Arnold, like whipping balls into the box, like being this kind of playmaker Robertson's thing on the other, other side was making the gut busting runs down the touchline to get into advanced positions, to get into dangerous areas and cut the ball back. So, and he, they have played a ton of matches. He played a ton of matches in world cup qualifying for Scotland. 
And he is kind of washed and Semeckis just isn't like that good as a left back. I, I mean, I'm sorry, fellow Greek person, but he's not. So we're just seeing this like slow kind of degrading across multiple fronts all yeah. at the same time. And I think that's where the issue lies. Yeah, I mean, they've done an excellent job of refreshing their attack. Like they just keep, you know, buying, uh, you know, excellent attackers who can rotate in. And it's great now uh, since yeah. they had injuries that they're still able to run out. You know, Nunez, Firmino, Salah, even though they're missing two high profile guys. But they have not done as good a job of refreshing the other areas of the field, because I just don't think they foresaw such a preci- like precipitous drop off, right? Like, yes, Fabinho <laughs> was starting to like show like light signs, but you don't think he goes from like zero to washed overnight, and like Van Dyke even more so. Van Dyke, I'm not saying is washed, but he certainly isn't the monolith that he was a few years ago, and they haven't done as great a job of refreshing um, those aspects of the pitch. And so, yeah, and, I guess and, that's and where we're seeing big, creaks, right? And the big soccer rumor, right, is Bellingham yes. ending up at Liverpool, right? And so this was going to be the gap year. And they thought probably that they had enough um, to be able to get by to bridge the gap between when Bellingham would hopefully wind up on their roster. And it just hasn't worked out that way. And and I, I think you brought up a great point about the attack too. Like the attack has been good. Like Nunez has kind of gotten raked over the coals a little bit, but his production's been fine. They're still creating tons of chances. The crazy part is like in the loss against Forrest is the amount of chances that they gave up. That's the thing that's been surprising with them this year is they've lost that defensive edge. And I, I think that just comes back down to the way that they're structured. You've had your Chen Alexander, Arnold Russell, Westbrook diatribe here, but the way that they had to be structured was they needed to protect their fullbacks and their midfield doesn't do that anymore. Fabinho isn't doing that. The eye goes in and out of the lineup. James Milner sure shit ain't going to be able to protect their fullbacks. So, you know, it's it's just going to be one of those things where they're in a weird st- st- stretch. Klopp has done a fine job of continuing to move things around. I mean, he switched to a freaking 4-4-2. We talked about Conte not being adaptable like that. Like Klopp switched to a straight-up 4-4-2 against Manchester City to get him a win. So I have faith in them. I know it seems like a slap in the face of Spurs, but it's part of the reason why I would take Liverpool straight up money line in this match. And it's part of the reason why um, I would take Liverpool to win and both teams to score, because I don't trust either of these teams defensively anymore, which is a weird thing to say about a Conte team and a Liverpool club. Well, that second part's really interesting. I mean, I'm with you on the first part. And by the way, thanks for bringing up Alexander Arnold. because gives me a chance to talk about how Aronson absolutely roasted him in that game for Leeds. <laughs> and so, like, you've accused me of being anti-American in the past for not rooting for Leeds, but watching a fellow countryman just destroy that dude that I've been so critical of was super fun. So uh, looking forward to seeing Aronson and what he can do on the national stage. Um, but I'm with you on the game. Uh, and it's not even about Liverpool. Like, they – I they still have their problems in midfield. They still have their problems in defense. But I'm just flat out fading the Spurs. Like that ember I had in my heart for Conte and for uh, Spurs, who I said was the second best team coming into the year, like it's, it's burnt out. And they have to relight it. They have to prove it to me. They have to find some way back to rewin my confidence because I've been burned on them and I'm not going to be burned again in this game. So I'm just fading them. Um, I just don't see how they can win with the number of injuries. And I'm not convinced that Conte can pull off a zero, zero draw. You clearly aren't either. Cause you think both teams are going to score and they're going to concede so much possession to Liverpool. They're just not good enough to keep them out of the net entirely. Given the number of ways Liverpool still has to score, they still have you know enough quality to, to do so. So I'm going to take pool with the plus money. And then I do see the second part of what you said, uh, slightly differently. 
Um, I don't, I, it's not clear to me that Tottenham has a path to score in this game. Um, but I'm not going to take them not to score the entire game. I am absolutely going to take them to not score in the first half, which is minus 135. I do expect them to come out and park the bus. I don't expect a lot of aggression. I expect them to uh, concede a ton of possession. And there's always a chance that there's some like incredibly random penalty or Gomez passes back to Tottenham for a tap in like he did against Leeds or anything like that. (laughs) But um, Spurs are not fast starters. The bus is going to be parked. And I love, I love this number because not only do I have this game script on my side to 135 to come in, did you know the Spurs have not scored in the first half of their last six matches? So Holy given, Lord. given the last no, six times they haven't done it, and this time I don't even think they're going to try to do it, I can't believe this isn't like minus 250 and I'm getting it basically at twice the value I should. Yeah, and, and let's let's just like backtrack just to the midweek too. Um, obviously losing Sun was a huge deal, but Marseille is not a good team. And Spurs at one point during the Champions League matches were eliminated from the knockout rounds. Like they created next to nothing in a a match. They had to get points from to advance. They did score two goals, but it was on 0.6 XG. Like they could have been eliminated. Like this is, it's way worse than it's looking. I think on the surface. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, (laughs) but that said, I could, I have faith that Lucas Mora is going to roast Trent Alvin Arnold. (laughs) Amen to that. It's just a matter of who he's across from because he's getting roasted no matter who it is. Uh, all right. We think we hit that game pretty well. Let's take a break and we'll come back to my deplorable uh, Chelsea team. Your first bet with Caesars Sportsbook and Casino. It's on Caesars up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code C-Z-R-F-U-L-L and place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you a thousand tier credits and a thousand reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer free stays, game tickets, experiences, and more. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ontario, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, and Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Yes, you have to know. When to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, or if you know someone who has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or in Maryland, visit MarylandGamblingMDGamblingHelp.org or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net, Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700, Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369. Or text C-O-N-N-E-X to 247-247. Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, we are back and headed over to Stanford Bridge. Chelsea, sixth at 21 points versus Arsenal, first at 31 points. This game is Sunday at 7 a.m. It's another banger for the weekend. We get two top six clashes in the same weekend. How lucky are we? Chelsea is plus 150. Arsenal is plus 180. The draw is plus 225. Chelsea minus half a goal is plus 145. And Caesars has Arsenal at minus 185. All right, Brett. For once, uh, I didn't take any notes on this game. So let's just have a little chat. Let's have a chat about it. Chelsea let me down big time last week and now are officially an injury crisis. Uh, they've you know had Chilwell limp off midweek. He might be done. Heck, it might even be for the season. But not only is it a blow to England, I think it's going to be a blow from Chelsea when the restart happens. And that goes on top of all the other mm-hmm. defensive injuries that they have right now, Fafana, James, etc. Uh, they have to play Arsenal, City, and Newcastle in the next week. And the World Cup, in my mind, cannot get here soon enough so that national team managers can injure a bunch of other teams' players and hopefully level the playing, team, uh, playing field for the Blues. <laughs> So based on my pessimism up front, you could probably tell which way I'm leaning in the game, but let's hear your thoughts first and then I'll add on. Well, I, I'm going to flip this around to you and, and uh, I'm going to ask you a question besides Jorginho. And, and this is saying this with, we have a, a shared love of, of Kova shit. So right? Kova is very well respected in this, on this podcast, but besides Jorginho, do they have any midfielders that you trust doing any defensive things anymore Oh, because that seems to be the root cause of a lot of their problems. Oh, I think you missed our new Lord and savior. Zakaria's performance. Zakaria, yeah, yeah, Zakaria. Zakaria's yeah, the answer to all the problems, baby. Look at that yes. guy. It was like uh, watching <laughs> peak Yaya Torre come back to life and rampage right across the <laughs> midfield in a blue kid. It was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, against Dynamo, but <laughs> well, we'll temper expectations a little bit. No, I, I have kind of wondered where Zakaria was um, because they, they, there was just such a glaring hole. I'm also, oh my God, I hate to do this to you. This is not, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is not just a personal attack. I'm not sure Connor Gallagher is all that good. <laughs> oh my, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't value your roof. Uh, you have lightning insurance because you're about to be smoked, sir. I, I think I think it's it's gotten to a point. Um, there, there. I know. Look, is Connor Gallagher a Premier League level player? I believe so. Like, I think he'd be good. I don't know if he's good enough to be playing and a lock in a starting eleven for a team that has Chelsea's aspirations. Is what I'll put it as. I'm not saying it one way or the other, like definitively. I'm just saying I'm having more questions about it now. And I think that's part of the issue is why I would rather see someone like a Zakaria in there because he does a thing that they desperately need. They need a guy in midfield to win the ball back. I think that's been a root cause of the problem, but I will let you 
I will let you go. I'm sorry for no, insulting it's okay. your life. It, it's okay. It's your life. I mean, <laughs> risk it as you want. Um, I think what you so just said serious. there is at the heart of some of my frustration that he's not a locked on starter in 11 to match Chelsea's ambition. Given the injuries they have right now, I think that might be true of 11 guys. That's uh, true. I, like besides Reese James and, you know, Conte went healthy, which is now his, his legal name. Uh, I'm not sure any of the guys and maybe Mason Mount, maybe Mason Mount are like, oh my goodness, for a team that like views itself as one of the biggest clubs in the world and thinks it can win the Champions League every year. Well, they're first on the team sheet. I just don't know if any of them are. And I don't think it's just down to Conagher. And I would say Conagher. That's a nice name. Conagher. Yeah. If he dates himself. Uh, that can be like Virginia. Virginia's out. It's Conagher. It's Conagher. It's, it's Benifer when, uh, when he's just with himself. <laughs> Uh, so Conagher was actually one of the few bright spots against Brighton, like with his movement, with his activity in the box. And like, I would take his, uh, his own ambition against like watching a bombing Yang kind of mope around or watch Sterling, like sail another one over the bar or, you know, make the wrong run or anything like that. Like, I know these guys could find the right form. And I actually do think that they are all potentially world-class players. We just haven't seen it yet. We just haven't seen yeah. it. We have not seen, we have not seen consistent performances out of any of the 11 outside of Reese James, who is not even playing in 2022, 2023 to match Chelsea's ambition at all. Yeah. And uh, that's why I'm taking Arsenal money line. So just so you know, I, I'm not, again, this is not a personal thing. You're my guy. I love you, man. But I have so little faith in anything Chelsea's doing right now. I know they had a nice, a nice win midweek. They're playing a very weak opponent, but Arsenal, for me, the Premier League right now, and we can go into this another week. It's City, it's Arsenal, and oh, it's Newcastle. It's Newcastle, probably. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna spend a good fifteen minutes on Newcastle next week. But you and I both yeah. agree it's Newcastle. Yeah, and so I I just right now Arsenal has things clicking. They've played well. They they haven't had that Arsenal letdown stretch that I think both of you and I, or I don't know, maybe we were like secretly rooting for because we're dicks, but like also just kind of what we were expecting. We, we didn't know if this was sustainable each week that it goes on, each week that they take care of business, it's looking more and more sustainable for them. Um, so, I mean, that Arsenal money line looks too good. And at the same token, um, they have given up a lot of good chances against good teams. Their, their style, I think, has suffocated the minnows of the Premier League. But when they've played like United, they've given up chances. Um, I, I mean, obviously, when you play any good team with good attackers with a kind of high-pressing possession style that they play, the downside is, is they get through, it's going to be really big chances. Um, so they do a good job of suppressing shots, but when they do allow shots on goal, they're big chances. So the over of three and a half goals was plus 225. I don't trust the, the Chelsea airtight defense that I thought was coming back has not. Arsenal is going to score multiple goals. Chelsea might also do the same. I really like that number. Yeah, I like that number too. It's it's, it's a sub bet of, uh, of my prop, but let me get to my game prediction first. I'm also taking Arsenal money line. Like this isn't, this is business. This isn't personal. This is big, like, this is big of you. Yeah, this is big of you. You're not insulting me. I mean, you've got to be true to true to the numbers and true to the people and tell them what you actually think. So please don't ever take Chelsea just to uh, kind of placate me. But oh, I would never, I would never placate you. Trust me. I just uh, want you to know it's not personal that I'm yeah. taking against. You. <laughs> uh, so what I will say, Arsenal. This game is very interesting to me because Arsenal, as I'm currently watching them, 
is both an indictment and a point of hope for Chelsea. Cause I just think they're a different stage of a retooling or rebuilding process. Like you take Arsenal last year and Saka wasn't performing as well. Martinelli wasn't performing as well. Odegaard, um, Zaka, Partey, and then they, you know, they obviously added Jesus and that made a big difference to the team. But they all were young guys who were getting in big minutes together and eventually coalesced and found a way to play together. And they took huge step forwards in the first 10 matches this year. Uh, and so, and like, I don't want to think that we're Arsenal from last season because Arsenal's playing on Thursday nights, not Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Like we'll be in Europa if we're at that stage of our rebuild and that, that's not something I want to go back to. I've got that Champions League, you know, taste now. I don't want to go back to uh, back to that, that farmers. You want to go to the, you want to go to the Thursday afternoon matches? Exactly. You want, stay, you want to stay on Monday and Tuesday? Yeah. I, or, keep, I mean, what, Tuesday and Wednesday? Yeah, I want to keep that prime lights going. Uh, but the fact that they are doing it makes me think that Chelsea's players are, for the most part, they're, they're critical guys that they're buying. Forget Obama Yang. Um, and to a certain extent, Koulibaly, like the Fofanas, the Conor Gallagher's. I mean, Pooley's still even young. Mount is still young. Reese James is the linchpin of that team for the next decade uh, that they can, you know, come together in this year, find their form and then, you know, be top of the table next year. So as much as I hate to say that Arsenal is going to beat them and I don't want to be Arsenal from last year, they're at least giving me hope that the long term prospects for the world class players we have has a bright future. Yeah, I mean, and a big part of soccer development that we found out is like young guys need to get minutes and they need to get minutes at high leagues. And, you know, as much as we make fun of Lampard on this podcast uh, for his managerial things, he kind of started the ball with some of these guys by playing them a ton when they were under the transfer embargo. And, uh, you know, Mount regression is really weird to me. I, 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 we came in and his numbers look so good and it seemed, and again, Development is always linear in soccer. There's something inside me that says that is not what this is going to turn out to be for him because he was verging on legitimate superstar. And I think some of those things will start sorting themselves out. Some of these guys may not work out. Pulisic may be end up playing for another team, same with Havertz or something like that. But some of these guys, when they get these minutes over the course of this year, it'll benefit in future seasons. And I think you're absolutely right. Um, but right now, it's all Arsenal, baby. Yeah. No, Havers is the one that really hurts because he's so young and so talented and he's going to be so good at Bayern. It's going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be Thomas Mueller 2.0 and he's just a guy like wandering around the box for us. Uh, but I still need to give my prop bet that we can move on to the next game. Uh, in my head, Arsenal and Chelsea games are frequently goal fest. So I agree with your 3.5 and that plus 225 number is really nice. And I might even take that over my own. Uh, but I went for fun. I went for a fun bet. And I think that, that this, fun. Yeah, and I think that this gives you va- value over just taking the 2.5 line. So adjust it up to 3.5 is great, but this is a fun way if you like the 2.5. Uh, I'm taking both the score, no draw at plus 155. So Chelsea's defense is clearly in tatters right now due to that combination of injuries and overused players and tactics. That, that 3.5-2 uh, with Sterling and Pooley as wingbacks. That ain't it, folks. Especially when we have no defensive cover for them, as Brighton made very clear last Saturday. So I hope that one is dead and buried. Um, and they've also struggled with their finishing, but I think they get—I think they find a way to get out uh, on the score sheet just once because they are creating chances. They are absolutely creating chances. Regression comes for everybody but Messi. I think they're going to find a way to put one in the back of the net, and I think Arsenal is going to bury at least two. 
So I think once Chelsea puts one down and Arsenal puts one down, then he's good to kick back as a neutral and have a ton of fun. Don't not caring where the next goal comes from. So take this a plus one fifty five to supercharge your Sunday morning. Love it. All right. Love it. Uh, we got two left in the five pint, and we only got about fifteen minutes to do it. So let's hammer these out, Brett. Uh, we're gonna head over to Man City, second at twenty nine points versus Fulham, seventh at nineteen points. Game is Saturday at eleven a.m. Caesars has City at minus 850, and I, that second verse seven in the table is still minus 850. I did not misspeak. Fold is plus 1,900. Draw is plus 750. Man City minus two and a half goals is minus 110. Fulham is minus 120. Uh, so, Brett, my question for you to lead off this game is, did the Leicester game last week show us that Man City is actually fallible if Holland can't lace them up, or are they still inevitable as long as KDB is out there? Uh, still inevitable. I mean, they, they turn right around and absolutely wax Sevilla uh, midweek. And 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 Holland's replacement, Julian Alvarez, had, I think, a goal and two assists. So uh, this is just the pet machine, man. It's the part of the frustrating part about this. It's like you take a guy that is on pace to shatter every goal-scoring record that ever existed for the most part that Messi did, doesn't own. Um, and then he's out of the lineup. And then they go ahead and they just rip off two wins. They get back to it. I mean, it's part of the thing too with Haaland is, is he wasn't, he, he obviously was doing the important thing. He's putting the ball in the back of the net. He's great at it. We know this, we covered this already, but when you make a swap like him for a more technical player, like Alvarez, like city get back to more where they were pre Haaland, which is like, they're going to score once or twice, but then they're also going to keep hold of the ball and they're never going to let it out of the attacking third. Um, and that's kind of like the difference. So it's just like looking at a different version of city. I think um, that said Fulham sneaky bad. <laughs> so that minus two and a half without Holland, it seems like it, it's kind of like a fool's bet, but I still think that's where the value is to me. I, oh, I don't know about you, but that I thought you were calling me a fool. Cause I'm taking it too. Um, I mean, before, before I take Fulham, before I light my money on fire, because I feel like taking anything as Manchester City is that way, just for one second, I did want to talk about KDB just a, a touch more. Um, I just love him. I, I love him <laughs> so is. much. In fact, like I assume Superman dressed up as Kevin DeBrunia for Halloween. Uh, <laughs> he is so freaking good brett like forget the free yeah, kick that man. rescued them forget the free kick that was absolutely sublime up and over the wall u90 off the bar like can't you can't make a more perfect free kick and it won them the game last week did you and i don't even know if you noticed this but it's just like the little joys that i take in watching him um that long cross that came to him when he was like deep in the box over near the touchline, and he reaches back with his toe and flicks it with his toe perfectly weighted backwards into the like path of an on rushing attacker to free him up for a free strike at the goalie. Like that's like watching Picasso paint. It's so incredible. It's so incredible to watch. So like, I know we might be changing my, or I might be changing my tune in a couple years when Holland owns every goal scoring record that ever existed. But KDB is my favorite non Chelsea player to watch over the last few years of the premier league. If you're creating a Mount Rushmore for non-Chelsea guys that I tune in for week in, week out, chisel his face first. I cannot believe that I get the pleasure of watching that guy play. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the thing I always think of too is like, obviously these guys are incredible athletes. Like they're at a very high peak in their profession. Even the ones like Danny Ward that we make fun of. Um, But like, I look at some of those like curling through balls that he puts 
perfectly in the path of vendor. And I sit there and I'm like, if you gave me a hundred tries from like 30 yards closer <laughs> with my hands, yeah, I couldn't even put that ball there. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take it one step farther. I couldn't draw it on a piece of paper, like the arc of the ball yeah. and the run that comes in, like forget even being able to do it. I could never even diagram it. Yeah, it's it's it is incredible. And there is something about the like how goal scoring is kind of like this brute force, like like thing that's it's, it's impressive and you're awed by it. But like the artistry of some of the like the great passers in soccer, like that's and that's what KDB is. You know, the Cancelo passes that we fond over on this podcast as well fall into that category. But like they are, it's just something about it. It's, it literally is just, it's art. Like that's, it, it, there's, you can tell me about the physics of the spin and everything and how he plays it and the technique he needs to do it. I don't care, man. It's, it's like you said, it's like staring at a Picasso. Like that's art. Yeah. And, and I unfortunately, you know, lack the time to watch all the other leagues around the world. And maybe there's other KDBs running around doing this in the Bundesliga or La Liga or anything else. But like not in the Bundesliga, he's essentially like one of one to me. Like I'm so thankful he plays in the Premier League. So I, I get to watch him so much. And if there are other guys that are doing anything remotely like this, like hit me to it, educate it to me because I don't like I I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of the sheer magnitude of creativity skill precision and yes artistry that he displays and so it's incredible but as for the game uh i don't know if city's gonna risk holland or not like that's a really interesting question it, it feels like this is feels like they're just gonna get through these matches until he's got his world cup break and then make sure they're safe yeah he's a, the they're a minus 850 favorite like and they have all these other options that you laid out do they really need to risk him and plus if i was them because, I mean, obviously we think they're so incredible. I'd be going for the quadruple and they've had to play Chelsea in the League Cup midweek. And if you want to like send them out then, send them out then. So if they're not going to play Holland, like you're a little more impressed with like the Alvarez and Grealish's world of the world than I am. Obviously, if Foden, I'm, I'm 100% on board with, but that front line doesn't really do it for me. So if they're going to play those types of guys, I just, I'm less scared to think that they're going to win by three or more. And I'm happy to take the minus 120 that a full team that, might be sneaky bad, but hasn't actually lost by more than two goals um, to any of the big six this year. They stayed within uh, they stayed within one of Tottenham, one of Arsenal. They drew Liverpool, and the only team to break them out is the darling of our eyes, uh, Newcastle, which we'll get to next week. But they have some way of staying in these games, and without Holland, I like them. I like the value of them doing it again this week. Well, I'm I'm kind of hedging my city scores lots of goals with my kind of analysis of the way things change. And I'm going back. I'm going back to an old favorite here, Toby. And you know what this is? It's the good team to do a good thing. My city clean sheet bet. They are only minus one eleven for a clean sheet win. I, I that feels pretty good to me. All right, I bro. like that bet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see. I I see if I can put you in a prop bet today. So what if I told you there was a way to take the same bet, but instead of that that minus number, I can get you plus four thirty. Uh, I would like that. Am I teamy? Am I Professor Toby? Put your put your little hat on and get to the chalkboard, please. Manchester City to win and under two point five goals is on Caesars at plus four thirty. So I'm obviously not crazy enough to think that Fulham are going to win, but I like Fulham to stay within the uh, under the three goals. And so naturally, one zero or two zero would be. Uh, good score lines for them to win by, and instead of getting even money on something like that, 
you get all the way up to plus 430 by combining the two. So I think the four most likely score lines in my mind, particularly if, if Holland doesn't play, it's 1-0, 2-0, 2-1-3-1. So getting 430 for half of you know 95% outcomes in my point and in my point of view seems like excellent, excellent value. I'm not even gonna actually that one, Toby. Oh good job. Oh wow, the ultimate compliment. He's impressed <laughs> for once, folks. You gotta back that bet now. I wasn't gonna put in my five point, but Brett, you know what? Now I actually am. <laughs> All right. Uh, Roy, quick break, and then we'll do our last game, the five pint, and get you all out of here. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, Board. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Final game of the week, folks. Aston Villa, 16th at 12 points. Manchester United, 5th at 23 points. Sunday at 9 a.m. Manchester United is plus 102. Villa is plus 255. The draw is plus 250. Aston Villa minus half a goal is plus 100. Villa is minus 130. All right, Brett. Aston Villa have a new manager. Tell our listeners what they should expect from Unai Emery. Uh, With with our boy Unai here, it's going to (laughs) be... It's going to be more of the same. Uh, I, I think with Villa, a lot of their problems were structural with in terms of their personnel. Like they just don't have good attackers. Um, you know, Emery was kind of, I think he he shot a little too far for the stars going for a power club like Arsenal. I do think if he's going to succeed, it's going to be at a mid-table club like Villa. Um, you know, what he did with Villarreal last year was commendable. Like they had a ton of injuries. They made a great Champions League run. It's really cool for the city. Their underlying numbers in La Liga were actually really, really good. Um, he turned Dan Yuma, who is like a former Bournemouth, like afterthought into one of La Liga's best attackers. Um, and I think he kind of got out the right time that Bill Real side was kind of aging the wrong direction. Um, I'm curious to see how he structures Villa. He set up and had all the success basically in this four, four, two that, you know, I mean, soccer formations. Now they start in a certain formation and defensively and they press one way and they get in possession another way. So it's all over the place, but I would like to see how he structures this team. I would like to see if Coutinho has anything left. Um, They're going to play like kind of a weird combination of, they're going to be a little bit more passive without the ball, but then they're going to try to play out of the back out of a four, four, two, which is like the exact opposite of what you'd expect from that formation. Um, There is the whole thing, you know, maybe he brings a little new manager bump and Bill's got a little bit of life and they are at home, but with Casimir in the lineup, United's been really good. And they're plus 108 on Caesars. 
I'm with United. And I'm also going to go with the fact that Bill's attackers still suck and Emery can't change that. Um, so plus 195 for a United clean sheet kind of feels like it saves you against the draw if it's a nil-nil draw. So those are kind of my two for this one. All right. Well, to me, it's like Jack Parkman said to Wild Thing in Major League Two. New haircut, same oh, dead Major arm. Major League Two quotes. Oh, Whoa. hell yeah. The boys last week, Major League Two this week. New haircut. Uh, those are not the same thing. Boys is a Pantheon TV show at this point. Major League Two, I don't know about that. We're in the same conversation. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to give it a third time to see if I can actually get it out without you interrupting me. New haircut, same dead arm. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. As much as I made fun of CVG, I'm not convinced he was the problem, and Emery still has the same underperforming squad at his disposal. Coutinho has been much worse form this year than he was last year, and he doesn't have teammates talented enough to pick up any of that slack. Um, plus, Manchester United started Maguire and Ronaldo against West Ham and somehow still won, so it feels disrespectful to keep United at a plus number against an Aston, visit, an Aston Villa team that Emery should be applauded just for keeping them out of relegation. I'm with you. I saw him at plus 102 last night. It sounds like they're up to plus 108 now. So get that number over at Caesars. Um, and I'm taking somewhat of a similar bet to you because I just don't think Aston Villa could score. But just in case they do, it's not like I'm over the moon about Manchester United either. Both teams to score no, plus 110. You already know what I think of Aston Villa, so that can't be a shock. Uh, but here's an interesting stat for you. Villa has gone in the last seven Villa matches. One of the two teams has gone scoreless six of the seven times. And in the last Manchester United uh, six matches, five times this bet is hit. So you put it together five of the last six are Manchester United, six of the last seven for Aston Villa. And it seems crazy to get plus money. Take it in at plus 110. Yeah. I mean, I, these are two teams that I think are. Very underwhelming going towards the opposing goal. So um, I think the, those are those are really anything that has to do with goals not being scored in this match sounds good. All right. Well, I'll tell you what sounds less good, which is this stupid five pipe pickoff, which I Woo! lost last month Went in an embarrassing fashion to you. Mentioned it at Went the top up. of the show. You crushed me in October. Congrats to you, pal. Very well done. Let me know what suds you want. They're coming your way. Um, November though, it's a new month, new contest. And this is going to be a weird one since it's going to be a mix of the premier league and world cup. That's universally true across the football world. Certainly isn't exclusive to our dumb little contest. So let's get it started, Brett. Uh, I am going with Tottenham to score first half. No, at minus minus one thirty-five for a pint Liverpool to win plus one thirteen for a pint United Aston Villa, but to score no is a uh, plus one ten. We're going to do that for a pint. And then Manchester City to win and under two and a half goals because of because of your love and embrace of that pick. We're going to do that at plus 430. We're going to add that one in there and really go after it. And finally, Arsenal on the money line, plus 180 against my beloved Chelsea uh, for my final pint. And Brett, before you give yours, I'm pulling out all oh. the stops this month. I'm pulling out all the stops, all the dirty oh, tricks. Oh, you got a dog for good luck. I'm going to make you Did stare Didier at this Dogba. Stare oh at my the God. nickname Didier Dogma dog and try is... to give me your picks. Try to give me your picks looking oh at this. Oh, my God. That dog is adorable. <laughs> oh, Didier Dogma. Come hang out with me, man. Um, all defenders all right. to score. Come on. No, you, you want to do I'm it. I'm going to feel bad. Now I'm going to just pick all losers because I just feel bad. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, this is psychological manipulation. Uh, I'm going to go with city minus two and a half at minus minus one ten. Um, I'm going to do the United clean sheet at plus plus one ninety five. 
I got Arsenal money line, same as you. So I guess we're, we're just going to copy you here instead. Uh, this dog is distracting me. I can't even look at my notes. I can't even look at my notes. And yes. on the Succumb. Succumb. <laughs> November is my month. Uh, this is so, this is so unfair. I'm going to go like a, bring a bunch of puppies from a pound in here or something. All right. I got Chelsea Arsenal over at three and a half goals. Uh, and then Liverpool to win both the score plus 275 is my last one. So keeping it sort of basic, relying on good teams to do good things for the most part, um, and totally distracted by this dog. Didier Dogba, you are one cute little pup. <laughs> well, if Chelsea bounce back and uh, I start beating you in the five pine, I might end up like Carilla DeVille. I might just have like 101 of these in my house because I'm going to get one month after month in order ba- to Basically, up. we're going to have a third podcast host. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> she probably did better picks than me if I just put her paw on the screen. And I'm going to be sitting there going, hey, little puppy, hey, little puppy. You're going to be like, Brett, tell me about the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, I hope you enjoy this great weekend of Premier League action that we are about to have. And for myself, for Brett Corominas and Dio Didier Dogma here, we will see you next week, week where we'll be back with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Take care, folks.